Hey everyone, I'm Bernie McPhillips, Sales Director here at Pangea, and I'm staging yet another takeover of our podcast while our host Dan is away. Delighted to say I'm joined by Rich Crossingham, our Business Development Director. Say hello, Rich. Hey Bernie, what's the weather like with you? Well, it's actually snowing outside just now, quite pretty, but getting a bit bored of it. So bring, bring on the sun, bring on the British summer. I'm just, I was just thinking, actually, I don't think we can really call you the new guy anymore, Rich. Has it been just over six months now you've been with us? Yeah, yeah, time has flown. Um, been a lot of interesting projects we've been involved with right from the outset. Uh, it's funny you should say that because today on the podcast we're going to be going back to IoT basics, uh, answering some foundational questions about the technology. Glad that you're with me and um, yeah, let's start, let's start it off. So I think yeah, everyone should know by now if you've been listening to the podcast and indeed in the um, industry press, etc. IoT stands for the Internet of Things. And I suppose we just like to think of IoT as, I suppose, a conversation between two things, two physical things that could be deemed otherwise to be relatively dumb, physical objects. But they're sending data backwards and forwards, data to each other in, instead of words or just words. So that data could be a temperature reading, monitoring moisture level, a head count in a public space, a location if you're trying to track an asset, pretty much you name it, right? Is that what you say, Rich? Yeah, I think it's important to point out that a mobile phone or a laptop isn't IoT. An IoT device is something that has an internet connection, even though it usually shouldn't, like an internet-connected fridge, or mm. if anyone's got one, an internet-connected toaster. Quite sure how popular they are, but yeah, that's what I was thinking of. In that way, on any given day, any person has got a number of direct or indirect interactions with an IoT device. I was thinking especially from health-related products like digital scales and Fitbits and, and a watch to your smart home devices like Amazon Echo to even when you're out and about, if you're out and about, buying things uh, from monitored appliances like fridges and coffee machines to even using an ATM. Yeah, I mean, don't, don't, almost got a tear in my eye there, Rich, talking about going out and about and, and going shopping and hopefully won't be too far away from being able to do all of those things and, and many more in the future. But you're absolutely right. I think IoT yeah. to a lot of people on the high street and even amongst many of our listeners, it, it could be something as relatively straightforward as a, a connected kitchen appliance so that your coffee is prepared how you like it, when you want it, or a fridge that would alert you when your milk is going to go out of date and that type of thing. But I think what's become really prevalent is, is real cases of IoT in the business world to drive efficiencies, therefore and save money, um, reduce costs, keep people safe. You know, massively important, probably now more than ever. Um, so yeah. lots and lots of use cases from a, a business sense as well. I don't think it's um, a massively recent technology. I think IoT has been talked about a lot recently and maybe more previous to that particular acronym because there's not enough acronyms in our industry, right? Uh, people used to talk about M2M or machine-to-machine communication. And that would more often then be purely just like a reading, a meter, you know, sending a, a electricity or a gas reading back to the supplier so that they don't need to send a person out to do that instead. As it was IoT, for me, then became more about outcomes um, and actually you know, driving an actual outcome. Um, some believe that the first M2M experiment actually happened in the 1800s, believe it or not. Uh, so there was an English scientist, his name was Charles Wheatstone, uh, and he used copper wires and a balloon to predict the weather. So effectively a device that he was able to retrieve data from to, to predict something that was going to happen in the future. But, you know, that's... That might be taking things a little bit far. What, where would you see it, it kind of goes back to? I, I like the one uh, where people talk about it starting in the 1980s, where a group of college students um, equipped a campus vending machine with sensors that would alert them if it ran out of Coca-Cola. But my 
my definite favourite one, being something of a coffee addict, is the one from 1991. So a group of students at the University of Cambridge used a web camera to report on coffee. And they basically came up with the idea to use the first ever web camera prototype to monitor the amount of coffee available in their computer lab's coffee pot. They programmed the web camera to take photos three times a minute of the coffee pot, and then the photos were then sent to local computers so all of them could see there was still coffee available. And I, I just think that's great. That's so cool. Now we hear about IoT being referred to as, as mission critical to a lot of companies, a lot of businesses, public and private organisations. And I don't think you can argue that coffee isn't critical to a lot of people and Coca-Cola wasn't critical <laughs> yeah. to those students back in the 80s. So I suppose yeah, the technology may have changed and evolved, but I think the underlying sentiment in terms of what people are trying to achieve uh, with the technology hasn't changed an awful lot. You've got a, you know, an object, could be a, a vending machine or a coffee pot, as we've said, and you want to know if you know something happens or is about to happen so you can intervene and stop it. So I don't want my Coca-Cola vending machine to run out of Coca-Cola because I quite like the beverage and want to have a ready ready supply of it. Vending's actually a, a, an example that I use a lot in my, my day-to-day dealings with partners and just trying to you know, explain how IoT actually works. If you think back in the day, I mean, I'm sure I've used this on a previous podcast even, but you know, man with clipboard in a van would look after a particular area, go to the depot, stock up on everything that a, a vending machine could possibly need, every flavour of crisps, every variant of chocolate, every possible type of, of fizzy drink, for an example. And off we would go on his round. He'd stop at his first stop, go in, open the vendor machine, make a note on a on his clipboard of what was actually needed, go back out to the van, fill his trolley, take it back in, stock the vendor machine, and then only go to, you know, stop number two, which could be in a gym or a public library or a college. Oh, that vendor machine's quite full. You know, it doesn't need anything. And only go, that was a wasted trip. So IoT for me and in a, in a rather simple sense, is those vending machines sending data back to the supplier saying, this is what I need. I need 27 bags of cheese and onion, four Mars bars, three cans of Coke. The driver then leaves with all he needs, but nothing else. So he's got a lighter load, therefore would use less fuel, would have less wear and tear on the vehicle because it's carrying lighter loads and less worn tyres, etc. He would only go to the vending machines that needed he, something. Was that yeah, right? yeah he, that's it. He can also cut off having to go to two or three of the locations because they just don't need to be replenished. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Then that's less fuel, lower mileage, so potentially lower insurance costs because insurance is often mileage-based. All of these benefits, right? The supplier is unable to manage manage their stock more effectively, so probably less food going beyond expiry dates because you're only stocking the products that you need more uh, more often than not. So thanks very much for mentioning vending and sorry for going off on a little bit of a tangent there. But yeah, just talking, it's one that I often use because it's kind of like, oh yeah, okay, you've replaced a very manual and cumbersome process with a more automated and intelligent process by connecting a physical object, a vending machine to the internet and retrieving data from it and acting upon it. That is IoT for me. But I think IoT really started to gain momentum probably around 10 years ago or so wireless connectivity and the networks had the reach and the bandwidth really powerful enough to enable all kinds of these new solutions so tell us a bit more how, how does it actually work i think you hit the nail on the head using the vending uh, machine analogy but by combining a, a device or a thing with a sensor that allows it to gather data about the world um, or whatever's happening whether it's a number of things that need to be replenished or whether it's a temperature anything like that and using connectivity to help it send that 
data somewhere else. And mm. I think that's an important thing to touch upon as well, the connectivity element, because that data doesn't want to be local. It needs to go somewhere. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. The um, connectivity piece is key. I think what we've seen, and certainly what the industry's seen in, in the last 10 years or more, is that you're more standard mobile data sims or mo- um, your mobile broadband, call it what you will, doesn't always necessarily cut it in IoT. It's a very specialist forms of solutions and devices and therefore often require specialist connectivity. So it might be a you know, multi-network service over a single network because the devices could be getting deployed over a very vast geography. Some remote places quite difficult to connect. You want multi-network service for ease of deployment. You don't have to consider what network's best in each place. The sim could do that work for you. There's resilience on your solution. So if there happens to be a local network outage, for example, the SIM could potentially pick up another network in its place and keep your application connected. There are often requirements around IP addressing, whether it's public or private static, VPNs to access your your devices remotely. So the connectivity is a really big big part of it. What are the specifics then, Rich? What type of projects? Try and bring it to life for us using another example, if you can. Yeah, I think a good example that we've got is the smart smart, uh, bicycle project we did for Birmingham City Council. In its basics, you get a bike and you equip it with air quality and location sensors. Then you connect it to the internet. And whenever anyone's taking one of those out, you've got them helping you create a map of how many miles the rider travels, what the air smog density is like across their routes. And you start building a clear picture of all of that information, but also how much fuel can be saved per bike journey. So it's all of these kind of data points that you gain from that one project i find that you know really really interesting that it's all the data that we can collect but then having a useful end goal so understanding how you can make the streets cleaner quieter um, how you can get people fitter all of these things that you can then show as an outcome to the data that you've collected for that project you know i love using that word when we talk about iot rich outcome i think it is the most important thing IoT is cool. It feels futuristic. You know, it starts to include technology such as artificial intelligence and automation, but it is all about the outcome. And like you say, one one application there, right? One solution connecting some bikes to the internet. Just multiple layers of outcomes, both social, economic, and environmental. So that's a, a really cool example. I think I, I remember there's, there was one uh, solution that we've we've delivered multiple times over and. Uh, it's been written about in our blogs, etc. Previously, it's about another physical object, very large one, rather cumbersome, shipping containers. Um, you know, these things are all over the world. They're actually quite expensive to make uh, and maintain and repair. But I imagine, you know, for various reasons, they get damaged, even lost. Um, and I suppose if they get damaged or lost, the things in them are, are also lost or at risk of being damaged as well. And you know, pretend you've got manufacturers sending their produce all over the world whether it's you know forms of technology and hardware or clothing or or even things that could um, expire or spoil like food so for a manufacturer to be able to track the the journey of their product from start to finish and understand where those risks might be there'll be multiple benefits to that too right absolutely yeah it saves it's it's efficiencies it's saving money there's there's a vast amount of benefits you can see from doing that not only just the the basic immediate one which is insurance you know they're moving expensive things from one place to another and if it goes missing you need to know what's happened to that uh, matisse or whatever it is that's somewhere but we don't know where so yeah i I think that's that's the great thing 
I think you learn more as well. As you do more of these deployments, you think, oh, it's covering off these three or four things. But then five, six, seven, and eight, those things appear once once the solution's in life and you're getting the data back and you suddenly realize that um, you've helped lower your insurance premiums or you've helped understand something else that you didn't even realize uh, at the time at which you had started this project. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite excited as well by the thought of transporting food and that could be getting transported over huge differences around the, uh, distances around the world. But if you were able to track humidity, temperature, various other elements of, a, of an environment within a container, you could start to predict under what conditions food could potentially spoil whilst en route. Um, and I've, I've seen and read about examples of, of diverting shipments when it become apparent that um, a particular food type or uh, a particular product, it, it wasn't going to last the journey. It was going to expire before that. And actually, you yeah. could reroute and go to a nearer port. And even if it meant selling the product cheaper as a result of that redirection, at least the product wasn't entirely spoiled. So less waste, let less, yeah, kind of you're writing off that revenue, suppose, let less, less uh, lost revenue for the, for the provider as well. That's possibly one of the really, one of the really interesting, one of the most important things I think around um, IoT and, and the benefits to society. I mean, we'll talk about smart lighting and all those kinds of things, autonomous vehicles and drones and all of that. We're not in a minority report world yet, but for me, the real important stuff is what you just touched upon, you know, reduction of waste, environmental benefits, all those kinds of things that we can talk about right now. And I think a lot of it has been brought to life recently. For people in the UK who've watched the, the recent Attenborough TV series, when they're looking at the impact of climate change and how it impacts all different creatures um, and this whole interconnected web in nature and their niches and how everything we're doing can unbalance that and, and then what we're doing to help rebalance that. And I, I love some of this stuff where you know, they're talking about how IoT could help cut carbon by, you know, carbon production by 15% in, in industrial IoT. So that's that's a great positive thing. And then also, we've talked about it recently in our recent IoT talk, which was on the digital forest. And then we took that a step further and talking about the Amazon forest. And then I like to look at other things that are going on right now. So you've got IoT in camouflage. So there's monitoring and tracking in the Amazon rainforest, uh, looking at, at lumber gangs harvesting embedded trees, and then geofenced areas sending off alerts so that officials know that it's happening and they can act upon it. And then there's a great one in California called the Internet of Trees where they're looking at a network of sensors that can enable the detection of wildfires uh, in under an hour. Um, so just combating the devastation caused by wildfires. And then you've got the, um, the UK's DEFRA project around studying how forests can be used to tackle the climate crisis. And I think those, whilst we can look at really cool things, uh, and I, I mean, who's Who's going to deny that an autonomous car is not cool? But we also can look at how IoT can really benefit the environment and things that we're probably switching onto more and more in the last few years about what we can do to really help minimise the impact that we have on the world. Yeah, absolutely, Richard. And it's only sometimes when we have moments like this and, and take the time to reflect that it really reminds us of the, the multiple layers of the positive impacts that that our solutions actually deliver. We often talk about revenue opportunities for our partners and, and, and therefore, you know, elements of profit. And when you really step back and think about you know, the benefits outside of business that we're having on, on the planet, 
and we'll keep keeping people safer. That's it now becoming probably more prevalent and more at the forefront of people's minds today than ever before based on what's happened in the last 10 to 12 months. So simple things like crowd control, traffic light systems, using heat maps within supermarkets to detect if there's too many people in one particular area, clearly social distancing, a very important thing just now um, and likely to be for for some time to come. Um, Even to more, what would be deemed slightly more similar, but still very important things like monitoring the levels of soap within a dispenser or, you know, hand sanitizer. It's replacing that man with clipboards or replacing the guy who's driving around filling up vending machines. You wouldn't necessarily pay someone to walk around a, a huge shopping center and, you know, measure how much sanitization liquid left in all of the bottles when you could have a small connected center on that bottle that would send an alert when it needed replacing. And it's about doing things smarter by connecting, you know, these these objects, retrieving the data, being able to act upon it. So there's never an empty bottle of sanitizer in the shopping center. Everybody's got what they need in order to stay safe. And you're talking before about like the efficiencies and everything. Now we've we've certainly using technology an awful lot across all of every business I would imagine in the world. Video calls instead of meetings, sort of massively driven down, you know, carbon footprint through where we would normally have gone to travel to meet people face to face. And IoT is just going to build on top of that all the time by being able to remotely monitor your assets, get readings, check on your livestock if you're a farm, whatever it may be, just to mean that journey is no longer necessary. Therefore, less fuel is burned. As you know, things like I was talking before and uh, around tires, um, insurance, driver behavior comes into it as well. People just drive a little bit more sensibly if they know they're being monitored. So drives down your insurance even more, less accidents. So, yeah, the, the benefits are just uh, yeah, absolutely huge. And say sometimes as simple as a soap dispenser or then the real cool game changer minority report type of solutions that you were talking about earlier, which could be driverless cars, drones uh, and really cool futuristic things like that. Things that you would only typically maybe have any dreamt of seeing in the movies are here, right here and now and will become more prevalent in the future. Thing in short, it's efficiencies um, are driven by IoT massive increase in sustainability and look after our planet we're making people more safe um, and it, it certainly gives a lot more control and removes, removes human error if you're trying to do things like restrict the number of people that can enter a, a certain public space at any one point in time to to keep people safe and anything else rich i think you've covered it all off yeah, <laughs> no, that's great I can, I can certainly sense in you and hopefully the listeners can you know the the, the passion and like i'm, I'm like excited i'm hand gestures and quite animated as I'm talking about this stuff because we, we are huge advocates of IoT. Connecting everything is exactly what we do. Um, so I think it's fair to say, Rich, right? We're happy to answer any more questions that our listeners might have. Talk about any IoT projects that they might want to start or help help support with. You can get information from our website, check out our previous blogs or indeed just give us a call, Rich, right? Absolutely, yeah. We welcome it. Oh, awesome. Really enjoyed this. I don't, I'm not sure we'll uh, let the resident host back. Maybe you and I just do this every month, Rich, right? Yeah, actually, unquestionably, we should be doing this now going forward. So, <laughs> yeah, it'll just become the new norm. Ah. Yeah, excellent. That's what we'll do. Listen, thanks very much, everyone. You know, please take the time to follow us on social media. We're on LinkedIn. We're on Twitter. Please go to our website and take the time to sign up to our newsletter. We promise not to bombard you. It's a monthly newsletter. A lot of exciting IoT news and what's going on within Pangea and within the industry in general. We'd love to hear from you, so please make contact. Um, but I think for now, thanks for listening. Thank you, Rich, for your extremely valuable and insightful contribution. I look forward to doing this again soon. Cheers, Bernie. Thanks, everyone. Take care and speak to you soon.